Krasner update, Hazmat Anders, and could a new hunger be growing for election reform on Grove Unleashed. Hey, welcome to another edition of Grove Unleashed. I am State Representative Seth Grove. Thanks for joining us. As always, we have the Anders. We've changed your name. You're now just the, the Anders. Anders. The Anders Toman. Right. Good to be back. Uh, it's been a crazy day here up at the Capitol. We have the Women's Life March. Uh, some questionable attire going on in the Capitol building, I hear. Yeah. Um, like, Seinfeld's true. Like, it, it happens. And oh, we'll... You can decide what episode I'm discussing, but it was it was crazy. It's first thing in the morning. I haven't had coffee yet, and ugh. craziness abounds. But life imitates art, right? And that was Chuck, the Chuck, the, the Anders, the Chuck, and the stuff. Seth, and the Seth, and the Seth, the architect, so, right? The architect. So first thing we got to hit is our good friends over that awful podcast, generally assembled, had to had to eat some impossible whoppers, and now I'm worried about the safety. I know Biden on 60 Minutes said. The pandemic is over, but this fake meat stuff, if you haven't seen this, the COO of Impossible Meat bit somebody's, beyond, beyond, beyond me. me, beyond me, bit someone's nose off. So I have, we have to watch our good friends who ate impossible not real meat, whoppers, Impossible yeah. Whoppers. Turns them into zombies. Zombies. Yeah. I, I, the Walking Dead. Who thought, you know, you have COVID, didn't create zombies. Monkey pox, not creating zombies fake meat i think it's just when you keep eating so much fake meat your body just without you crave even knowing, it. you crave you crave the meat crave. Yeah. yeah it's crazy it does make sense but it also explains michael jackson maybe he was just maybe. an early victim maybe who knows i don't know what they what what movie stars ate back then and maybe maybe one of his fellow stars had a weird non-meat diet and said michael jackson your nose looks yummy num 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 right and and the rest is history i right. mean it, the, it, the rest of it we know. would never have known about the milk Needing to sleep, none of that. It none all of it. just stemmed from Beyond Meat. Right. Crazy. Shimona. But speaking of Biden and uh, the pandemic is over, his 60 Minutes interview, which, by the way, I don't think anybody would say 60 Minutes is a conservative television anything, right? So we know they are left to center. They go out of their way to uh, hit Republican candidates and stuff. His interview, I, I don't know how you recover from that. Number one, saying the pandemic is over. And then the White House backtracking. Who is running the country? The president or his staff? But the best part, my favorite, my most favorite part about that interview is when they're asking him about the economy and inflation. And, you know, the inflation's up. People are struggling. What are you going to do about it? And he goes, that's not that bad. It's only up an inch. An inch. I didn't know we measured it in height. An inch. <laughs> I. He then goes, well, what, from 8.2 to 8.3. That's 0.1%. The other thing he misses is the fact that it's it's a compounding effect. It, it's it, He's like, oh, it only went up 0.1. But it's 8.2, 8.3. It's a consistent 8%, which is a compounding impact on everyday life. Year and, over year, 8%. Right. It's only an inch. It's only an inch. Even the host was like, are you saying that this inflation is good news? And he's uh, like, no, no, no. I'm just saying it's, it's, eh, it could be worse. It's steady. If we yeah. just have steady inflation at 8%, it's fine. Like, Well, it would be fine mm-hmm. if the economy was growing at like 10%, you right, know. Right. Do you it's, know that they have, within the past, I think, couple months here, have gone through 40 years worth of savings of the strategic fuel reserves? Right. 
because they're trying to buy down yeah. gas prices to make people feel better. The about Democrats themselves. have done this for years too, right. right before an election. And they are now saying that hey, that's going to come away in the fall. Gas prices are going to shoot back up right. by betting about two days after the election. Right. So something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Right. It's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, inch. My guess is he had a ruler and saw they showed him the graph and he said, "Oh, it's only an inch increase. So it's fine." <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Well. Biden may not be working that hard, but you most certainly are. You've had a busy past couple weeks here. Mm-hmm. State government committee had a bunch of hearings, uh, had a couple voting or had a voting meeting. The first one I want to talk about is the one with the Department of State Acting Secretary Lee Chapman and the Deputy Secretary for Elections and Commissions. And do you know what the most important Marks. part about that hearing was? It was on September 14th, my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. Because, you know, I'm a chairman of a committee, and why not have the Department of State come in and answer my questions on my birthday? Too bad you were late. Right, I was. <laughs> With a coffee got, stain on your shirt. Right. So <laughs> it was a, kind of a bad morning for me. I spilled coffee on my shirt. I went back, changed my shirt, and then traffic was horrific. The 83 bridge, one lane was closed, and then somebody hit the bridge heading into Harrisburg. So two lanes were closed, one lane through. It was an awful morning. The underpass bridges in Harrisburg are a menace. Right. Are a menace to society, both going in and out. Right. And that morning, oh, that was a bad morning. <laughs> but once you got to the hearing, though, it was That's great. It was great. great. I was, I was yeah. listening to it in my car as I was driving. Um, and they complimented your bill. Yeah. Without knowing it, probably. No, they did. Do you think they actually read it, unlike Wolf? Yeah. We work with them on it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they did read it. Um, so, yeah, so Acting Secretary uh, Leah Chapman and Deputy Secretary for Elections and Commissions Jonathan Marks. If you watch our hearings, you should know Jonathan Marks attends a lot. Um, and it was a good, you know, it was a good conversation. It wasn't combative. We asked hard questions and she gave answers, which is a rarity with this administration because they tend to not actually give answers or anything. But... Acting Secretary and Deputy Secretary actually did a pretty good job of kind of answering questions. But my big takeaway was throughout the hearing and members asking them questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? All their answers were, yes, we like e-poll books and we should do e-poll books. And then Representative Paul Schemmel asked, he's like, well, what about ID use with e-poll books? There's states and you mentioned Florida, you know, as the gold standard, Florida uses e-poll books and they have where you swipe your driver's license, pulls up your information, makes it more convenient because the number one disenfranchisement of voters in elections is long lines, which everybody forgets. And you know what? That actually disenfranchises Republicans more than anybody because we show up in person to vote. In your county in 2020, there was a couple polls, I believe, where people were waiting in line for four hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure, it w- you know, it was November. It's cold outside. I think it may have been raining that mm-hmm. day. I don't exactly remember, but I remember it wasn't great weather conditions. Right. Then Deputy Secretary for Elections Jonathan Marks goes, well, you know, why don't we you put QR codes on voter registration forms and you have a form of ID that's authorized by the state and you can scan them with the e-poll box? I don't know where he got that information from. Like, that's a great idea. I, I wish we could come up with something like that and put it in a bill and pass it to the governor so he could veto it. Maybe you could name the bill House Bill 1300, too. Yeah, the Voting Rights Protection Act. Oh, they got that from us. <laughs> oh. And then the secretary goes on, well, I don't, you know, you know, you, you need to be careful with voter ID. You know, we have a long list of stuff, utility bills, blah, 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 blah. 
which again were were in the bill. Now I I hear this stuff, and you know we need to clean up voter lists. We need to do this. We need to do this. All of it was in House Bill 1300. I brought that to the Secretary's attention. I'm like, Madam Secretary, we're what 55 days away, 54 days from an election. Everything you have said was in House Bill 1300. Everything. You would have had to read it to know it. Right. And here we are, this close to an election. We were a national embarrassment in the primary. National embarrassment. Is anything going to change from that? Probably not. All eyes again on Pennsylvania. I mean, that's that's the reality. The last election, Governor Wolf is going to quote administer, and there's no big changes. We could have had it. We could have had the gold standard. And they discussed Florida many times in that hearing. A lot of the stuff we were looking at doing modeled after Florida. And here we are. You know, guy doesn't read a bill, and it keeps getting worse. It's very frustrating to hear all the good stuff that they liked that were in that bill and because they didn't want to read it. They didn't want to read it. Let's be honest. They wanted nothing to do with it. It was politically inconvenient for the time. Right. And we could have had nice things, but we don't and we're not. So This is why we can't have nice things. It is. It is. So I I you know, you you it's online, you can listen to it. It's just very frustrating um, to hear that. I, you know, I asked about drop boxes asked you know if they're updating guidance what's going on for that you know we have two election lawsuits uh happening one in lehigh one in chester county we know for a fact that when district attorney jim martin in lehigh county reviewed tapes his his detectives law enforcement officials reviewed tapes of drop boxes 288 individuals handed in more than one ballot for thousands of votes and the, the statute is clear. If you hand in one, more than one ballot, you can't count the other ballots. They're all to be set aside and not counted. They are illegal votes. So he said, enough is enough. I'm putting uh, plainclothes detectives at every single drop box in Lehigh County, and we're going to observe. And if you try to do it, we're going to arrest you. Do you know how many arrests he made? Zero. Zero. Do you know how many people handed in one more than one ballot? Zero. Zero. <gasps> Did it work? Did it work? Almost like if you put someone watching there that people might not do it. Huh. That's that's such a novel idea. Shocking. Well, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, what the Democrats' plan is could, you know, be a deterrent, which is put a 1-800 number on it. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. We need Joanna McClinton's bill. It's going to secure our elections. If we have these one I love. So a great example of this is Chester County. Their drop boxes have a warning label on it. You're not allowed to drop off more than one ballot. Like, it has all that stuff mm-hmm. in there. And there's literally videos, because they had a camera there, of people dropping more than one ballot. Highly effective. You know those signs on the gas pumps that say, um, you know, you have to stay at the gas pump while you're pumping gas? Mm-hmm. I worked at Rudders for five years. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times I've seen people put the pump in their car? And then come into the store, go to the bathroom, shop around a little bit, order some food, eat their food, and then go out and take the gas pump out. Are, are you making false claims about people pumping gas? You know what? I'll, sounds like the big gas pump lie. I'll Anders. pull a wolf here and admit to a crime. I've done it all the time as well. <gasps> oh, it's almost um, like those signs. Signs do not stop people. It's kind of like what's the statute of limitations of that? So actually, fun funny story. Uh, oh no! <laughs> one time I was driving back up from college. And I was in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, and I'm with my now fiance, 
and she always gave me crap for it. You know, you have to stay at the pump. You have to stay at the pump. So we're in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. It's like 3 a.m. I'm pumping gas. I told her, I'm going to the bathroom. She's like, no, you got to stay with the pump. I'm like, look, you can stay here if you want, but I'm going inside going to the bathroom. She's like, nah, I don't want to be out here alone. This may be a problem on multiple fronts. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we come back out to the car. There is gas spewing out of the car like crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, the one time. And, and I just got done telling her, like, the pumps are designed to, to cut off, off right? right? Here's your problem, young man. <laughs> Hazmat Anders. Uh, she now has you. Uh, remember the time I told you yeah. not to step? She's I've always right. Never, you will never I, leave that day. I haven't right. to this day. Never. Um, but luckily for me, you know, like I said, I worked at Rogers for five years, so I knew exactly what to do. I ran inside. I was like, Where's your kitty litter? She's like, what? I was like, there's a gas pill outside. Where's your kitty litter? She's like, I don't know. Do you have a fuel cleanup? She had no idea what was going on. So I cleaned it up for them, and I was just like, what do you want me to do? She's like, honestly, you should probably leave before the fire department gets here. And I was like, <laughs> oh my all gosh. right, I'm out. <laughs> and I did. I don't think I ever left a gas station quicker than that before. Right. And Virginia State Police are still You're looking. looking. Yeah. Anders <laughs> Toman, Virginia State Police. Anders Toman. Good thing I don't go to Virginia. Right. Oh, probably like the most wanted man in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that was that was our hearing. And again, I, I mean, listen, Dropbox is need secure. We know what works for a fact. Um, and to listen, if you put people out there, it also helps people make sure their ballots are filled out and make sure they're actually counted. Because mm-hmm. we do have a number of ballots that are submitted that are uncounted. So how do you solve that problem? Have somebody there saying, "Oh, hey, hi, hi, Anders. Um, you didn't fill this out right. Why don't you fill that out? You fill it out right. You submit it. Boom." You're done. It's like pre-curing. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about the curing process and asking them to come back in. And they may not come back in. So And different counties right, doing the doing curing this, process right. differently. Which is also a lawsuit the RNC just started to say, hey, counties, there is no curing process under Pennsylvania law. And we asked uh, Jerry Fieser, he's election director of Dauphin County. We asked, do you cure? He's like, no, it's not um, allowed under the law. That was in House Bill 1300. We allowed curing because there's no provision to cure ballots under the law. And we have counties doing whatever they want, whenever they want, and just say, I mean, at what point do we just say, just don't worry about the election, go do whatever you want. If you want to drop ballots out of a hot air balloon, knock yourself out. Let's do it. Physical combat for deciding the county's elect officials. There you go. And it's one of those things, too, where I feel like we're at this point right now where all Republicans want is a rule book. That's it. Right. And we, we want the people to follow that rule book. Democrats just kind of want to do whatever they want. Right. And, you know, just like what the counties are doing. Okay. And I brought this up at uh, I, I spoke. It might maybe it's on PCN. I don't know. Uh, PA Press Club. Um, and I discussed this. I said, listen, if the Democrats election policies were a bank policy, this is how it would work. Let's and I, I use Tom Wolf as my example. If I'm if I walk into a bank and say I am Tom Wolf. I like to withdraw all the money from my account. I look at me and say, how do you want that? Tens, twenties, fives? Oh, just give it to me in small, unmarked denominations that can't be easily tracked. Okay, here you go. Here's all your money. I leave. Real Tom Wolf walks in and says, hi, I'm here to make a deposit. Okay, sure. Make the deposit, get my receipt back, and look that I have just a deposit in my bank account. And I say, what happened to all my money? They say, you withdrew all of it. No, I did not withdraw all of it. Oh, well, here's the 1-800 number to call. <laughs> so I call the 1-800 number, and it's bank management, and they say, listen, um, yeah, we don't have that on video. 
we don't really do surveillance and we don't really have an accounting system here so we can't actually reconcile whether you did or didn't um but know that we appreciate your business and you should continue banking with the democratic party election policy bank that's how it works wouldn't you like would you go to that bank uh, if I didn't have an account there. Right. Yeah, if I wanted to commit fraud. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's that's what they want in the process. Now, what, 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 what does a Republican bank look like? Hi, I'm Tom Wolf. I'd like to withdraw all my money. Do you have an ID? No. Then you can't. Then you leave. And guess what? You get prosecuted for attempted bank fraud. Not actual bank fraud. And your money's protected. And say, real Tom Wolf comes in, makes a deposit, see everything's accounted. And you know what? On top of those protections, you get a bank statement that shows where your a reconciliation process, right, to show where your bank account is, what's happening. There's cameras to view that transaction, and those cameras are there for to the, protect the bank, right, and and the employees to make sure the employees aren't pocketing stuff too, right. It's it's all protected, and there's internal controls because banks have said we want to protect the system for the for our customers. And to make sure our employees are honest, and most employees are. But you know what? There's bad apples that want to take advantage of the system. So you want to make sure you have internal controls to protect the entire system the entire way through. So that's the big difference. And it's not like we're saying, no, you can't bank here. We want you to bank, right? Come bank with us. Come on in. We just want to make sure your vote is secure and making sure that only legal citizens have access to that vote. Basically, the money in your account, right? Simple. Real simple. I can't make an argument against that. Right. It's yeah. common sense. Almost so common sense that it ought to be law. Election right. law. Right. <laughs> Across the board, uniformly. Well, there are some bills uh, that you have put through the state government committee, uh, three bills specifically, uh, that were pretty recent. Uh, you had House Bill 34 from Representative Day, uh, the cargo securement during transportation of ballots, mm -hmm. uh, which basically means, as far as I know, that whenever ballots leave the polling place, they are put into a secure container until they're shipped to the wherever they end up. Yeah, that's going. that's a real interesting one because it's basically chain of custody of ballots. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Chairman Dag was focusing on kind of from the the voting booth. Um, back to the county board because he had an incident where a thumb drive disappeared. You couldn't find it. It's a problem because that has the votes on it. Now, there's there's two sticks, the whole nine yards, but it should be secure. We should have a set chain of custody. What's really interesting about that bill is the ACLU opposed it. The ACLU opposed this bill because it didn't go far enough and they wanted a secure chain of custody through the entire process from when the ballots were printed to when they get back to the county elections office. Okay. And I said, more power to you. I'm in. Let's do it. Absolutely. So we worked out an amendment to do just that. Um, so we're going to uh, amend the bill uh, to make it a comprehensive chain of custody. Because there actually isn't statute of chain of custody. To, to an extent, there's chain of custody, but it's not a broad, uniform process for counties. So I thought that was awesome. Came out of the committee unanimously. Uh, the amendments filed, so we should have that. So I'm really excited about that. That has a chance to become law. And that's a big step in protecting chain of custody throughout the entire process. Another bill in there, uh, one that 
almost everyone thinks ought to be common sense is uh, removing dead people from the voter rolls. Right. Um, we were sued um, successfully because we had 21,000 dead people still on our voter rolls that we haven't removed. Um, so uh, it's a Representative Russ Diamond bill. It sets up a pretty good extensive process, pulling in as much data as we can to help counties remove dead people from the voting rolls. Common sense approach. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't have dead people in the voter rolls. Got to remove them I'm moving forward. So another important one. The last one was a bill by Representative Ms. Ms. Gorski, financial disclosure for writing candidates. This is really interesting. It's very internal politics kind of stuff, election process. So when you want to run for office, there's a bunch of paperwork you have to do. You have to go get signatures. And when you hand all that in, one of the paperwork you have to do is a statement of financial interest to the ethics commission. If you don't do that right, you can be thrown off the ballot. You can be removed from the ballot. So you can skip all of that in doing a write-in, right? You don't have to do signatures. You don't have to do the paperwork. You don't have to do anything like that. You just go to a poll and, you know, write, then and you get on the ballot. Now, they have to file at some point a financial disclosure, but it's not a terminal requirement, right? So if they don't do it, oh, well, if... You know, it's not the same standard. So hers puts it on the same standard. If you don't file it by this required time, you will not be on the ballot. And this is for folks who have made it onto the general right. election ballot. Right. Okay. So, so it's really just leveling the playing field. Right. Right. And it's, I think it's a really good bill. It, it's a loophole in the process, and you should treat people equally, right? If, if you, particularly if you go through the actual process, like if you go through. Getting the signatures, filing all the paperwork, staying in line, Department of State, doing all the paperwork stuff because you need to stamp there. And if you're doing all that stuff, you should at least have some equal footing standard with that. So some some good bills. Chairman Day's bill, Representative Magorski's bill passed unanimously. Uh, Representative Diamond's bill passed the committee with only four negative votes. So some broad bipartisan support for all three of those election code stuff. So good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know what else had surprisingly bipartisan support that happened last massive, week? Massive, massive bipartisan support. So the House held the Philly uh, district attorney in contempt of the House for he twice refused to accept a House issued subpoena. And after his attorneys accepted an electronic version of it, he just straight out refused to comply with it. Right. And this is a big deal for the legislature. Um, this is this is legislative power. Um, if you're issuing subpoenas, um, they should be complied with. And he, he basically said, you don't have any authority over me. I'm, I'm the DA. I'm more important than you. Laws don't impact me. The DA, the laws. Laws don't impact me. So we, we held him in contempt. So we have a select committee. Select committee. Maintaining law and order. Yeah. yeah. Um, headed on by um, Representative John Lawrence. It's bipartisan. Um, I think it's four Republicans, two Democrats. They unanimously voted to recommend that Krasner, the DA in Philly, be held in contempt of the House. Now, that contempt has multiple stuff. Like, the it, 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 it's an old law, but literally they could we could have him thrown in jail at Dauphin County. We could put him in jail for X number of days for doing that. Um, it went to the Rules Committee. The Rules Committee did a, a basically a resolution that held Larry Krasner in contempt for, for failing to abide by subpoenas, uh, moved out of the Rules Committee by a, a bipartisan vote. I think there were five Democrats that voted no. Gets the House floor. 
uh, Democrats do some internal procedures, right? They, they do a motion to not accept the report, like not accept the bill coming out. Uh, that failed among long party lines. Um, then they tried to, I think, do a motion to refer it to a, a different committee or something. That failed. So then we get to the final vote, 162 to 38. Over 50 Democrats voted in favor, 10 of which being from Philadelphia. It's huge. People who live there know. Yeah, the mayor, who's a Democrat, said, and quote, it's gotten to the point where there's no price to pay for carrying illegal guns, so people carry them because they don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah, and he's right. Yeah, it's all about enforcing laws. Uh, Krasner has failed Philadelphia. He has failed them. To make a point here, Krasner said, you know, the House has no power over me. Actually, the House is about the only people who do. The, this is mm -hmm. why we have separation of powers, <laughs> why each branch of government is separate so one can check the other. And when one of them gets out of hand, the one who's there to check is just doing their job. Right. I think he's just used to the lawlessness of Philadelphia, right. that he thought it, it applied to him as well. Right. But and it's crazy. Not. So um, ultimately, he did start complying. He sent uh, John Lawrence a nasty gram response and submitted some documents and stuff. But that vote opens up tools for us, like it's a step in the process, right? We want him to comply. We want to see, request the information. And listen, it's, it's you, know, you go back and forth. Like, ah, uh, this is privilege. You can have those discussions. John Lawrence, the chairman of the committee, is a very reasonable person. So uh, we'll keep you updated as that moves on, and, and we're going to do our best to turn the tide on the violent crime in Philadelphia and, and hold those in power responsible who, who has created that situation through failed, failed liberal progressive policies. Yeah. So anyways, fake news. Uh, the point <laughs> of this news. segment, I'm going to read a headline to Representative Grove and my boy Chuck, and they have to figure out whether or not this is a made-up headline or if it is, in fact, real. First headline we got here, City of Los Angeles to consider banning all new construction of gas stations. Yes. True. I'm going to hold out hope and say that while I know that they want to build all the electric stuff, that they've got to at least have some, and maybe they heard of Anders' problems with gas stations and decided that they couldn't do it anymore. But you it's know, the anti-Toman law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the it? The Toman gas bill law. Uh, that is actually true. Um, which coming off the heels of people not being able to charge their cars over the weekends over Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, because they got rolling blackouts because they're awful environmental policies. People who had the smart yeah. thermometers, yeah. Uh, they had a notice that popped up on them saying, like, no, you can't turn on your AC right. because government yeah, takeover government said, of so. your lives. Yeah. Thanks to liberals in California. Uh -huh. And they want to bring it here, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Look at Reggie. Elections have consequences. All right. Next headline. Marlboro adds puberty blockers to cigarettes to make them legal for kids. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I've got to call that fake news. I, 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 it has to be fake Please, news. Please, fake news, fake news. That is fake, fake news. news huh? But it's a great idea. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, my gosh. We'll just arrest the cigarettes <laughs> right here. Right. Well, bro, These... Stay young forever. <laughs> stay young forever. <laughs> we'll keep you young. Oh. 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 Minneapolis Teachers Union Agreement stipulates white teachers be laid off first, regardless of seniority. Sadly, I heard about that. I believe this I believe is that's true. true. Yeah, that and, is true. And, and that's a blatantly racist thing. Right, that is true. I believe they're fighting it. I don't know what's going on with it. Right. I know there's. I don't even know. 
again, you got to get past all that. Like, who's the best teacher? Who's a high-performing teacher that brings success to their kids? That's the benchmark right there. Boom. Yeah. How about New teacher, what old teacher. Succeed? I don't care age. I don't care any other demographics outside. You are successful at educating our children. What if you're mixed race? What if you're actually just a good teacher? Right. Then you're laid off. Right. I um, just it it all all that even seniority all that bothers me. Get the best person in the classroom that's going to do the best job for those kids. Amen. This has been Grove Unleashed. Tune in for all of our content at repgrove.com slash mypodcasts. Yeah.